man that you were created to be. I think the greatest tragedy in all of the church is that men have stopped being the spiritual leaders. Um, you remember that, that God created the family long before God created the church. And so it's always been the family's responsibility to disciple the family members. And so um, God has placed man at the head of the house. He did that on purpose, and we're going to talk about that today. Um, there's a couple of things um, just out the gate this morning that I want you to think about. And, and man, just be gracious with me as I am dealing with this too. And I want you to, you're probably going to have one of three responses this morning. Either you're going to see how you're um, being a husband in light of that. You're going to look in that mirror and see how you're doing and be discouraged and walk away. Or you'll look in that mirror and, and you'll go, man, I, I'm discouraged, but we're going to work on it. Or you'll look in that mirror and see yourself as, as failure and you'll turn to the Lord. This is what I know. Being a husband is the hardest thing I've ever done. Being a husband is the hardest thing I've ever done. Not because my wife is an impossible person to live with. It's just the opposite. Being a husband is the hardest thing I've ever done because she has to live with me. And I know who I am. I'm not the best roommate, I promise you. So as we think this morning about what God's design for man was, we want to handle it graciously but in truth. God created the world, and God created um, the world in, in almost a rugged, untamed terrain, right? God, when God spoke life into existence, and he, and he placed the animals, and he placed Adam there, um, things weren't well manicured, and it didn't look like a fair way, right? Things were, were messy in life. But in the midst of this chaos, God planted Eden right in the middle, and he gave Adam in charge of Eden, and he said, this is yours, do well with it. So we had this perfect state of life. And in that, now this is free. There's going to be a lot of free nuggets today. In this, Adam had a job. Even before the fall of the world, men were supposed to work. They're supposed to work. So if you're here today and you don't have a job, get a job. You can't be faithful to the Lord unemployed. God never created you to sit at home. He's always created you to go. Um, men and women are created, I believe, equally but different. Can I say that? Men and women are created equal. Men, we're, we're cultivators. We're hunters. We wage war. We like that. Women are different. They're nourishers. They make great moms. And, and, and they are really good at detailed-oriented projects. And, and if you don't believe me this morning, you can walk down to our nursery. And you watch how boys and girls operate. You see, boys, and my son included, they'll, they'll build stuff up and it'll be great. But they'll build it up just to see how quick they can tear it down, right? Girls are not that way. Girls will take two inanimate objects and they'll make them best friends and they'll talk back and forth to one another. There are some crossovers, but generally boys are creators and often destructors and, and women are nourishers and, and better at love. And so we're, we're different. So God had created all of the world and placed Adam in charge. And where we pick up today in Genesis uh, chapter 2, starting in verse 18, we begin to see some of these role differentials. Genesis chapter 2, starting in verse 18, it says, Then the Lord said, It was not good for the man. The Lord said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, out of the ground, God formed every beast of the field, 
every bird of the heavens, and he brought them to man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called the living creature, it was to be named. The man gave names to all the living stock and to the birds of the heavens and to the beasts of the fields. But for Adam, there was not a helper. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and he closed him up at the place of the flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and he brought her before the man. Men are designed to be builders and cultivators. And occasionally men will cultivate things that will wage war against them. Here in Adam's, in Adam's life, God has placed Adam at the center of the garden and it tells us that he's, he's created all of these things and, and, and Adam had the job of naming these things. And, and we went to the zoo yesterday and I don't know how Adam named the hippopotamus. Like I, there's some animals I looked at and I go, I don't know how he came up with that name. Right? I don't know how, how you come up with, with the flying dingbat. I don't get it, but, but Adam named it. And what's unique about this relationship is, is God has placed Adam in this place. And, and, and the skunk came by, and, and, and Adam goes, well, you're a skunk. And the skunk didn't look back at Adam and go, I'm not being called a skunk. You can't call me that. God, God gave him the ability, and God gave him dominion, and he was over them. And when he called the skunk, the skunk, the skunk was the skunk. Now, say that real fast. He called it, and it went on. He said, this is a cow, and this is a giraffe, and this is a dog. But all of a sudden, God looked at him and said, in the man's ability to, to work and to cultivate, he's not complete. He's not complete. So he said, I've got to make him a helper. And you know why God took the rib out of Adam? Because God wanted Adam to know the pain of this relationship. This wasn't going to be easy. I dream of Jeannie wasn't going to twinkle her nose and a lady appear. This was going to take effort. And God created a, a special creature and he gave it to her. Now this is unique. I love, I love the Bible. If you're looking on the screen, you don't see this. If you have your text... This is unique. So we, we, we have 18 and 19 where, where God is giving him the ability to name names. We get to verse 22. And the rib that came that the Lord used had taken from the man, he turned it into the woman. He brought her before the man. Now in verse 23, your Bible, it looks a little different for verse 23. That's because my brother Adam starts singing. Like this is a poem that Adam's writing. So he's like, giraffe, dog woman, naked woman, my woman. So we get this, this interesting uh, list that, that he gives us here. And in verse 23 it says, and, and the man said, this is at last bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now, now this difference in the text, I feel like I'm hot. Can you take me down at least out of the monitors? My, my ears are ringing so I know yours are, all right? He, t he looks at her, and, and, and he's up until this point named and named and named and named, and now she comes along, and he uses this woman, this, this phrase woman in, in the Hebrew, he uses it, and he, he looks at her, and he says, that's mine. My boy Adam, up until this point, had just been naming just animal, and you know that was monotonous, right? Dog, dog coyote, wolf. All of a sudden, naked woman walks around, and his attitude changes. That woman walks around, and all of a sudden, he starts a different perspective. Our boy goes to a song, and he goes, Oh, she was ribbing my rib, flesh of my flesh. She is mine. 
He, and he doesn't, and you, before you, you go and you email me this week about how the authorship, and you, you begin to email me about how, how, how men don't own women, he wasn't going there. That's not what he was doing. He was so enamored by the, the woman that God created before him that, that he longed that, that she would be his, that, that he would have her heart. He, he longed that, that this would be his helpmate. He had watched all the cows, all the bulls came through, and then the cows came through, and they, they were together, and he watched the, the male dog, and the female dog come through the male line and the female line they came through but for Adam he didn't have this and so when God had created this woman he said Whoa, this, this is good and she is mine Woo! he even sang about it but now this created a unique a very unique relationship this created a very unique relationship because up until this point remember Skunk was the skunk. Skunk had no choice but to be the skunk because that's what Adam named it. But when the female came along, when the woman came along, the woman had a voice. The woman had a mind. God created this woman not to be just some flesh walking by, but to be his helper. Because up until this point, man wasn't fulfilling what God had designed him to do. So it wasn't that, that God needed just someone else. It was that man was insufficient alone. So God had to create in the man something good. And something that would be a great thing. Verse 25 is the happiest man has ever been. Verse 25 is the happiest the man has ever been. Verse 24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they were not ashamed. Man's going to spend the rest of his life getting back to that statehood of verse 25. But let's talk about verse 24 for a second. We live in a culture, listen, not every book that Lifeway puts out there is good. Can, I, can we say that and be okay? Like, I've read some pretty awful dating books. I've read some pretty awful, like, I do a lot of premarital counseling, and, I, and I've read, like, always read the stuff before I give it out. And, and there's some bad stuff out there. Like, just some stuff I read, and I think that's dumb. We have, we have cultivated a culture, and I think it's because of this, where, where we like to think that because we're single, because a man or a woman is single, that, that they should just be they should just be okay with that, and they should be just if they'd humble. And I've heard this. I've heard people say this. If you just humble yourself, God would bring you a mate. That may be true, but know that you're not being fulfilled in God's plan without that mate. So you, if you have the desire to be married, that's not bad. That's not bad. That's God's design for you. And you're like, well, well we're, we're searching. Keep searching. That's okay. Keep hunting, that's okay. Now, now guys, if, if you get dressed up in camo and, and go down to Bed Bath & Beyond, that's not the hunting we're talking about. Like, you don't walk up to somebody like, what is that, a thousand count thread? Yeah, I'm Jeff, how you doing? Like, that's not what we do. You begin to look for someone who would be that helpmate for you. You begin to look for someone, and, and it's okay to go and court or, or date or, or follow, as long as you keep it in the biblical mandate. Now, you can push it. And you can make it sinful, but it was never sinful in God's design. God, God knew that the world was going to get 
more. Now, now, again, Adam didn't have any choice. He wasn't looking around and picking. God created Eve, especially for Adam. Just like I believe that God has someone just for you. And yeah, you may have to date some, some just awful people before you get there. And, and you may have to go through some heartache before you get there. But God has a plan for you, and we should be after that. We should be after that. It, God looked at Adam and said, you're alone and you're not fulfilling the plan. So we, he created an Eve, a helpmate. But now this relationship happens. Now this relationship happens. Where now the woman is there. And up until this point, Adam has been the alpha dog in control of all of creation. And now Adam, through his rib, God makes a woman. And he calls her Eve because she's the mother of all creation. And now for the first time you have this dynamic and we've got to figure out in this dynamic how are men supposed to lead their families? Turn in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. This is a unique text starting in verse 22. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 22, it starts like this. Now, it starts maybe a little different than you would think. It starts and it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. His body and is himself its Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. I know this is wildly unpopular in today's age, but God hasn't changed his mind on it. God hasn't all of a sudden said, nope, that one's out. We're going to go with something else. It, it's unique that every time, every time the Bible talks about marriage, the Bible always starts with a woman. Always starts with a woman. So if you're a single guy in here, or you're one of our, our teenagers, and you're looking, hey, I'm going to be getting married. One day, let, I'm going to help you out. Um, Proverbs Proverbs says there's two types of women. There's two types of women. One of them will be a great blessing to you. One of them will be a great blessing, and I want to get this right because I don't want you to throw stuff at me. The other one will bring you shame. One of them will be a great blessing. The other one will bring you shame. So the reason that Paul talks about the women first is he's telling the men, as men, you must look for a wife whom you can lead. I think the hardest thing for the woman in the relationship, and ladies, we're going to get to you in about, in about three weeks, so y'all just hang tight. Um, we're going to spend the next three weeks talking to the men because it's going to take some time. Um, I'm kidding. We're not going to talk three weeks. It'll be just two. All right? Submitting to your husband is the hardest thing a woman does. Because you're created, in this culture anyway, to be independent. You're created to stand on your own feet. In fact, I was doing marriage counseling the other day, just the other day, and the, the two college students, and, and, and she was telling me, she says, I'm getting a degree, you know, in case something happens and we split up, I, I can have a job at that point. And I'm just looking at her like deer in the headlights. I'm like, so you've got an evacuation plan going into the marriage. You've already decided that this could probably end poorly, so I need something when this goes bad that I can stand on my own two feet. And I was, I told, I'm like, that's, that's not what God designed. God didn't have you one foot in, one foot out. You should not have a divorce attorney on your speed dial. When Katie and I said, I do, we said it forever. 
We say, I say this all the time. We never have divorce on the table. Murder, left on the table. Divorce, off the table. We don't, we don't joke about it. We don't talk about it. We are in this thing forever till death do us, to us part. Now, let, let's talk about what, what the proverb said. This is what he said about, about ladies. You, you've got to let your man lead. It's his responsibility. Remember when, when God came back to Genesis and, and, and Adam and Eve had sinned and, and, they, and Jesus comes back into to the garden. Now, now, who ate the fruit first? Eve, thank you. Who did Jesus look for when he came back? Adam. I, I used to have some bad theology here. I thought maybe Adam was out in the garden. Maybe Adam was somewhere else. But when you look at, at the linguistics of the language, when you look at what was happening there in the Hebrew text, I believe that brother was standing right next to her. He heard what she said back. He heard the, 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 the tangling of scriptures and he partook of it just like she did. Ladies, you will not be held responsible biblically for leading and discipling your families. When you get to heaven, God won't look at you and say, how did you lead and disciple your family? Because it's not your role. It's always been the man's job to lead and disciple his family. So when Jesus came in the garden, in the physical form of God, when he stepped into the garden after Adam and Eve sinned, he wasn't looking for Eve who partook of the fruit first. He looked at the man because the man was the head of the house. The man should have had spiritual discernment to realize this is not good for us. The man should have been able to say, we're not following God if we partake here. But instead, the man said, oh, that fruit looks good. Give me a bite. A couple of things the proverb says about the ladies. It's better for a man to live on the corner of his roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. Better for a man to live on a, the corner of his roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. This is my favorite. It's better for a man to go die in the desert than to live with a quarrelsome wife. Now, I don't know. I've got some, maybe some ways I would like to go out. I think heart attack when I'm asleep sounds amazing for me. Um, I don't want to, like, suffer. But I'm thinking dying in the desert, a slow, agonizing cooking to death in the desert is not on my top 40 of ways to go out in this world. Like, it's not what I'm saying I'm ready for. But Scripture says it's better for the man to die in the desert than to live with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. The same author tells us that a, a, a nagging wife, somebody who undermines their husband, is like a dripping on a rainy day. Like a dripping on a rainy day. He can try to restrain her, but listen to this. It will be like restraining the wind or grasping oil in one's right hand. So he tells us, he, he says, men, as you're looking for your mate, you need to find someone who you can lead. Someone who understands their role as a biblical woman and is willing to follow you. Who is willing to follow spiritual discernment. Who's willing to follow after a godly man. But now listen, men. There's ladies that you can't lead. 
There's ladies that until their heart gets right before the Lord, they're unleadable. I don't care if you're patting. You're not leading them. You hear me? You look for people who God has already worked on. That's why the Bible says we shouldn't be unequally yoked. That we, we should look for people who God's prepared for us that we would be able to walk through. And ladies, I, I hear me. I know I know what you're thinking. You're asking me to submit. You, you want me to follow that fool, all of these things. I know. I know what it's saying. But I promise you the task that God has given you in submission is that near as daunting as the task that God gives the man in leading. It's not near as daunting. In fact, what we're fixing to cover in Scripture as a man, I don't even know that I want that. Because the responsibility is so much greater in Ephesians 5, we, we catch that part about the women. And, and it says in verse 23, it says, For the husband is head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. In his body, in himself, he's a Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, you must also submit to your husband. Verse 25, Husbands, love your wife as Christ has loved the church, and he gave himself up for her. So when we start thinking about what it means to be a godly husband, we must first realize that we have to love our wife as Christ has loved the church. Now that sounds really easy because most of us don't know what that means. That sounds really, oh, okay, so they're submitting, but we, all we have to do is love. No, that's not what Jesus did. Remember the state of the world when Christ came to redeem the church. It was a mess. The, the church wasn't looking for Jesus saying, please come save me. The church wasn't there. The church was looking for someone to relieve the Roman oppression, not to sanctify them. So when Jesus encountered the church, he had to, number one, he had to save the church. He had to redeem the church. Jesus' body was broken for the church. Jesus gave his life for the church so that it could be redeemed and saved and set free. Now, in light of that, all of a sudden, the husband's job doesn't look so easy. It doesn't look so easy. Then you have to love your wife. Jesus never responded to the bride wanting him. He, he initiated the relationship. So as men, as men searching after God in a relationship, we initiate our wives. We initiate them in everything that we're about. So, so there, there's going to be times. In fact, the Bible's pretty clear for, for a, a godly marriage to take place. So you, you know, you can't let the sun go down on anger can't let the sun go down on anger. Now, you've never been there. Katie and I have. I, I know. When you're so mad at each other, one of you get in the bed and it's getting late and you're mad and it's normally over something insignificant or, or something that we've let build. One of you's facing the door, one of you's facing the window. And you don't dare touch each other and you don't even breathe loud, right? Y'all ain't never been there, but we've been there. Like, we've, had that, we've had that type of, uh, of encounter. Biblically, men are to initiate the process of forgiveness because you're leading your wife. So I don't care if it's 11 o'clock, midnight, 1 a.m. You roll over and you go, babe, I'm, guys, I'm helping you. Write this down. Sincerity is key. Babe, I, listen, I don't care if you're 99.9% .9 in the clear I don't care if it's her fault completely. And you've got like 1% of how you responded. I wouldn't use numbers in my apology. 
that's free. You roll over and you initiate because Christ initiated the church. And you initiate, babe, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't respond well. Um, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't forgive like I should have forgiven. I didn't act like Jesus had redeemed my soul. I'm sorry. And you leave it there. As a man, you have initiated forgiveness in that relationship. And you leave it there. Now, what you don't do, and like what I've done several times, is go, baby, listen, I didn't respond well. I didn't respond like Christ um, has called me to. I didn't, I didn't do any of that. I just reacted instead of responded. And, and I'm asking you to forgive me in that. And then I sit there and I'll go something like, you got anything? You got anything you need to say to me? Probably not the best way. You can't, you can't, react you can't think you're going to make your wife respond but as the husband you initiate in forgiveness in healing in retribution listen as a husband you've got to figure out what it means to truly love your wife because marriage was intended for a lifetime and if you can't figure this thing out there's a reason half of marriages in the church end in divorce A lot of men I'm meeting today find themselves in verse 28. So we understand that it's, it's Jesus's, we, we love like Christ loved the church and we present all of these things. And Verse 28, in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. I'm meeting so many young guys today. Um, whether it be through discipleship relationships or some of the guys I'm in seminary with. And, and I'm meeting so many people now who, who don't love their wives. They love the idea of being married. They love the idea of being married. They, they wanted to have a lot of sex in life. So they, got, they thought that that was the best way to, to fulfill that need. So they got married. They thought two incomes would be better than one or they needed some promotion and it looks better. If you're married, a lot of guys I'm meeting don't really love their wives as much as they love the thought of marriage or they love the benefit of marriage they've lost their identity in Christ and, and they think that if they could get this they would it would solve all of their problems and if you're looking at marriage as a way to solve your problems you don't know what you're unearthing you never get married to solve a problem because when you get married you'll have 55 more you have 55 more so he, he tells them he guards he says you, you love your wives as much or if not more than you love your own body. And he says, for no one has ever hated his own flesh, but he nourishes it and he chairs it just as Christ does the church. So, uh, so how's a man to love his wife? How's a, uh, all that was point one, this is point two. All right, how's a man to love his wife? Number one, he nourishes her. He nourishes her. That word nourishment in, in the Bible, all but three times, it's used like 34, all but three times has some correlation to do with, with a parental figure nourishing a child. So you, you nourish them, you provide for them, you work for them. A man should come home at the end of the day tired because he's labored. Tired because he's labored. Man is to be the breadwinner of the home. Now, I know the wife may make more. I know that, but that doesn't negate that the man should go out and work. If a man, ladies, this is for you. This is another free one. If your man is too lazy to work, 
Do not marry him. He will not lead you in a godly way. He will not follow you and he will not aid you in your relationship to Christ. So we nourish. That means physically men are the breadwinner. We, we fight, we build, we've been created this way. And so we have to maintain. Spiritually, the men are responsible for ministering and discipling the family. Most of us have, we're okay, we hear, hey, hey, we're supposed to go out and work. Most of us are okay with that because we've been wired that way. This is the one that gives me problems. This is the one I struggle with. Men are responsible for ministering and discipling the family. It's your job as men, as husbands, to minister and disciple your wife. It's not the church's. We don't need to create a women's ministry so that our women should be discipled because the husband's supposed to do that in the home. I'm not saying we shouldn't have women's ministry, but I'm saying that the brunt of discipleship should happen at home, not at church. Not at church. Instead, we've kind of went a 180 from that because we don't like, we don't like doing that. We don't know what it means because most of us weren't discipled as children. So we, when we think about discipling our wives, we don't even know what that means. Most of us can't disciple our wives. Most of us can't feed them spiritually because we're starving to death. And you can't give away what you don't own. You know why your family's falling apart? Because you're spiritually dying. You know why you're struggling through this thing and trying to disciple your kids? Because you're not being discipled yourself. Part of the man is being responsible to your own body, being able to go, I need something so that I can give something. I need to be filled so that I can turn it and pour into my family. Now listen, I'm not telling you to run by Lifeway today or Amazon um, Erickson's theology for today for your family. Like if you sit down with that big old theology book, systematic theology, and crack that binder open, like your family's going to look at you like you're crazy. But what I am saying is you should have time weekly, bi-weekly, where you're sitting down with your family. Turn the TVs off. Turn the cell phones off. Turn laptop, all of, all of that blue face technology, turn it off so that you can minister to your family. We've allowed coaches and other people to take our role when God has called it to be ours. But he tells them in verse 29, he, he tells them that we must nourish and we must cherish. Do you cherish your wife? Do you cherish your wife? You look at her as, as just a prize that God has given unto you. When we start thinking about cherishing our wife, physically what that looks like is we're around. We stop looking for ways to be gone. Your wife doesn't need you to lower your handicap on your golf game. She needs you to be the husband of her home. So yeah, that, that looks like some sacrifice. That looks like spending time. And let, I'm, I'm, this is another free nugget for you right here. Women respond to quality time and physical touch. And I'm not talking about sex. You see, men have equated intimacy with the act of sex, and the Bible never speaks there. The Bible never speaks there. We think that, that if we come in and we, we pay the bills and provide a paycheck that our women are, woo, they're supposed to just love us to death. It takes time, and it takes quality time. You walking in and talking to your wife between commercial breaks 
isn't aiding in her spiritual development. You're not encouraging her to be like Christ if you pause the TV and begin to talk to her. Turn the daggum thing off. Take her on a date. Lead her. Spiritually, you should fight. You should fight. This comes natural to us. We're naturally fighters. You should fight for them to grow in Christ. You should cultivate in her the ability to grow in her faith. What that means is there may come a time when you say, hey, let me grab the kids so that you can have your time in the Word. Hey, I'm going to take the youngins out for ice cream. You study in the Word. Hey, I know you really want to get involved in that, in that small group, so I'm going to sit at home tonight and I'm going to watch the kids while you go. Listen, moms are resilient. Wives are resilient. They'll work 40, 50 hours a week, come home, do more work. Man walks in, puts, puts his feet up. We have a tendency to do that. God hadn't called you to be lazy. God hadn't called you to be this alpha dog. He didn't create your wife for cooking and cleaning. He didn't look at Adam and say, your house is dirty, bro. Let me create you, woman. He looked at him and he said, your life is insufficient. Let me fill that with this helpmate. Let me fill that with this helpmate. Ladies, I'm going to give you one more thing to chew on and we're going to watch a quick video and then we'll be done. I know we're running long. Stay with me. Ladies, most of you are looking at this going, yeah, that's not my man. And I know that because it's not most of the men in the church. And I'm not just talking about this church, but the universal church. Most men aren't doing well in their homes. A way to get your man for sure not to be here is go home and nag him about it. Go home and nag him about it. Or this week he tries to do something. You're like, the only reason you're doing that is because Jeff got on to y'all. Like, that's not going to grow in him. Like, he's not going to be like, oh, you're right. I'll wait two weeks. No. If you challenge him in this, if you challenge him in this, he's going to shut it down. My wife has the ability to speak life or death to my soul. Like, she can cut me to the quick quicker than anyone else on the planet with words of affirmation or words of destruction. She has the ability. As women, speak life to your husband. Pray for them often that they would lead you biblically. And as you pray for that, also pray that you would be willing to follow. Because some of you have, been, have had to be the alphas for so long, you don't know what it would feel like to be spiritually led. So you pray for your man, your husband, to lead well and so that you could follow. Men have a hard time loving their wives. Here's a, a quick video. Uh, a pastor that I, I respect a whole lot preached this. Three minutes. I look men dead in their eye. Go home and love your wife. No, you don't understand. We're just not in love anymore. I didn't ask you to be in love. I said go home and love your wife. The Bible commands you to. Husbands, love your wives. You're commanded to. Well, no, no, you just, I just, no, I just don't feel like that. Okay, fine. The Bible says love your neighbor as yourself. Your wife is your closest neighbor. Go love her because she's your closest neighbor. Yeah, well, she's not even my closest neighbor. I moved out. That's fine. 
Jesus said, by this all men will know that you're my disciples, that you have love one for another. So love her because she's your sister in Christ. Well, I don't even know if she's saved. That's fine. The Bible says love your enemies. It is absolutely inexcusable for a man who follows Christ to stop loving his wife. It's a choice. It's an act of the will. And we walk away because we don't have a biblical worldview. And we say things like, well, I'm just not happy. And I just don't believe that God would want me to stay in a marriage and be unhappy. Are you serious? Let me see if I understand this correctly. Jesus Christ, the spotless, sinless Lamb of God, was crushed and killed for the glory of the Father, but you, he wouldn't want unhappy. <laughs> Gotta suck it up and go home. It is an act of the will. It is a choice. It is accompanied by emotion means ladies it's not led by emotion as that teenage girl love oh my god I love him <laughs> which ought to always be followed by this week <laughs> amen and men it, it, it's not void of emotion biblical love is not void of emotion and again I talk to I hear this from guys all the time like they can sell that stuff to me I'm just not an emotional man I'm just more of an analytical type and she wants me to be emotional and I'm just not a very emotional man. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Well, well, well what do you mean? You, I mean, you don't even know me that well and you're calling me a liar and I just said I'm not a very emotional man. Why are you upset that I called you a liar if you're not emotional? Because here's another one I know. When you're out on the golf course and you shank one, you don't just stand there and say, I seem to have hit that one poorly. You watching the ball game and your team getting beat like a tied up goat? You don't just sit there and say, they seem to have far more points than we do at this time. And if you went to work tomorrow and your stuff was on the sidewalk with a pink slip, you wouldn't stand there and say, well, I really have enjoyed my tenure. A man who looks at his wife and says he's just not emotional, is actually saying to her, you don't matter as much as my golf game, my favorite team, or my job. Husbands, in this time, you, balls in your court. The biblical mandate is clear. Husbands, lead your wives. Husbands, lead your wives. Number one, you can't do that if you're not following Jesus. You cannot lead your wife if you're not following Jesus. So for some, you need to come down and get saved. Wives, you can't follow your husband if you're not saved. You won't. The world has ingrained in you too much. It will be impossible for a lost woman to follow a biblical man. It'll be impossible. You need to come down and you need to receive Christ. Maybe today, men... You've seen, man, I'm not measuring up well. My walking in the door saying, honey, I'm home, isn't sufficient in leading my wife. Good news is, there's forgiveness in Christ today. We're going to walk into a time of invitation. These altars will be open. If you need to come down and repent for your laziness, 
It's here. Trust me, I've already been here today. I've already been here today. Because we'll put plenty of excuses of why we can't do that. Jeff, Jeff, you don't know my schedule? I don't have time. Brother, I don't either. I don't either. Somebody always wants something. Somebody always has my time. Someone always has my ear. Few meals do we have at our home where my phone isn't going crazy. I know what your life is because mine is too. But it never changed the mandate. For some of you, you need to declutter your life so you can lead your wife. You need to come before her. Some of you on the ride home, it's going to be awkward because you need to apologize. Before you go hit the buffet, you need to ask forgiveness because you haven't been the man that God's called you to be. So I'm going to pray. And we're going to trust the Spirit right here. If you need to come down, you need to ask forgiveness, you're not leading your wife well, there's forgiveness in Christ today. And listen, you're not going to walk home and be like, spiritual leader, all right? It's hard. It's hard. Every day there's a challenge, and every time you get ready to sit down with your family and leave them, there will be obstacles. Every time you get serious about this, things are going to come against you. Don't you think, just because you made it up in your mind, this is going to be easy. But it doesn't negate the call. And it's always worth it. Father in glory, I pray over my brothers today. These men in Christ who, who have heard truth, who have heard the scripture, and, and now they are charged with the task of responding. Father, I pray we would respond well. May we see a rise of men leading their wives. God, may they come today broken over their laziness or over maybe just their, their lack of knowledge and how to even do this thing. Father, so often we'll look at the task and we'll be so... Father, enamored about how great it is, or we'll look at it, it's so much bigger than what we thought. We don't even know how to start, and so we do nothing. Father, forgive us in our apathy. Forgive us when we're not willing to submit. Father, I pray for my sisters in Christ. God, some of them have been carrying the banner far too long. God, show them what it means to submit to their husbands. Father, for those in here who say, I can't do either one of those because I'm not a believer, may today be their day of salvation. It's in the name of Christ that we ask. Amen. If you need to come